Have you ever seen anybody play the game called soccer? Welcome, everyone, to the Yankee Wankers Football Podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needham, and I'm joined today by my co-host and resident hooligans, Barrett Hartman and Clayton McKinney. Guys, how are we doing this afternoon? Just living the dream. Fantastic. Excellent, excellent. Well, we've got some uh, League Cup, some Carabao Cup action that actually just finished, uh, and we'll, we'll maybe kind of squeeze a little bit of that talk into it. But uh, we got Champions League draws, we got uh, uh, EPL action from the weekend, and big games ahead this weekend. So, so lots to talk about this afternoon on the pod, guys. But before we get into that, it's always important that we show some love to our big sponsor, and that's Chalk Sports Bar. Chalk is Oklahoma City's premier luxury sports bar located in Chisholm Creek Plaza at 1324 West Memorial Road. Follow Ben, Chad, and the whole Chalk team on the web at ChalkOKC.com or follow them on Instagram and Twitter at ChalkOKC. Their weekend brunch setup is perfect for those mid-morning EPL kickoffs here in the States, and there's no better place to have a conversation about sports and watch the game. Always the favorite, that's Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. Well, boys, let's get to it. So the, the marquee matchup from week or match week three in the EPL was that of Liverpool and Arsenal. Liverpool get the big win, three to three to one at home. Uh, you got Yota making his debut, but Barrett, I mean, how how did how did you feel about your your Liverpool squad? They look pretty good in this one, bud. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a great performance. Um, you know, a, a lot of fun to watch. You get two teams that are that are you know competent going forward, and it's always going to be fun. But you know, as a Liverpool supporter, uh, you got to love having two thirds of the possession. Um, they outshot Arsenal twenty one to four. I mean, it was just it was pretty dominant. But uh, you know, one thing I found interesting. It seemed they were focusing the attacks down the left side for most of the game, uh, you know, with uh, Robertson and uh, Mane. How, you know, I guess to target William and uh, Hector Bellerin, but uh, all three goals came from the few times they went down the right side. So that was a little bit uh, interesting. Uh, you know, two goals coming off of uh, rebounds, uh, and then the uh, beautiful cross from Trent Alexander Arnold across to Robbo uh, for that. Uh, little bit of redemption there for Andy Robertson but you know they're still a little bit susceptible to defensive lapses so a little bit of an area for concern definitely room for improvement but hey when you're going against a top six side and you dominate possession like that dominate shots and uh, win by two goals it's you, you got to take that uh, every time yeah you're right it's kind of, kind of a defensive boo-boo I guess that led to that opening goal by Lacazette where Arsenal actually took the lead uh, in the 25th minute and, and we're up one nil it didn't last very long as uh, Mane struck back uh, a couple minutes later but uh, your thoughts on that marquee matchup from Monday night football uh, Clayton they were just too they were too dominant for Arsenal uh, I mean Arsenal could never get a foothold in the game you know I thought Mane obviously had a great game on that left side he was definitely the creator and or finisher outside of the Robinson mistake I did think that Liverpool played a little bit more better defensively as far as a collective unit you did see some parts of Arsenal as far as when they broke Liverpool's press how deadly they could be I mean you could you could give Lacassette that credit too and the whole counter to lead up to that goal right so you could see how deadly Arsenal were but at the end of the at the end of the time, you know, Liverpool was just too dominant for Arsenal. 
Yeah, and, and Barry, you know, you made a good observation there that, uh, you know, all the, the, the goal scorers at least come down that left flank, right? So you have Mane on the left wing, you have uh, Rabo behind him. And then uh, the the Liverpool debut of recent edition, uh, Diogo Yota comes on. And, and we were all texting back and forth, kind of saying, man, he, I don't think he can hit the broadside of a barn because he just had chance after chance <laughs> yeah, after yeah. chance. And then finally, in the 88th minute, he finds the back of a net, uh, back of the net on his debut for Liverpool. But, uh, you know, looks to be a good signing, right? So it looks to be a guy that uh, he was certainly causing problems uh, for Arsenal down that left flank whenever he came on uh, for Mane in, in the second half. But uh, your, your thoughts on the debutante, Barrett? He, he had those chances uh, and numerous chances. And he, he in general, he struck the ball well. He was a little bit uh, wide on a couple of those, but he was putting himself, himself in the right positions to have those opportunities. And that's what you want to see. You know, you give a guy with that much quality enough chances and he's going to start finding the net. So really liked his performance, his debut. You know, one thing I really like about the guy is his versatility. He'll be able to you know, come in for Mane, come in for Salah on the right. Uh, he can play in the middle uh, if we need him to. So he, he can really work in any of those front three positions and effectively back up three positions. Yeah, no, and, and we'll, we'll cut him some slack, right? So obviously probably a little bit of nerves coming on for the first game, uh, even, even though there wasn't uh, any, any fans uh, there at the at the cop for him. But, um, you know, he he eventually finds the back of the net, so so kudos to him. And, again, an impressive performance, right? So I think there are preseason – or not our preseason picks, but our predictions last week were kind of, hey, you know, Arsenal might be game, right? So they, they've looked pretty good uh, under Arteta since the restart. And then, uh, you know, obviously that Community Shield match uh, back in August to where uh, Arsenal got him there. But uh, when it mattered, uh, Liverpool turned it on and, and put in a, a superb performance. So uh, three, three for three. So hard to hard to argue with that, right? So, but Clayton, we got, we got to go to our team. United, if nothing else, they're never boring, right? So no. that, that's that's part of the mantra there. And my goodness, but this game had it all. Uh, they end up getting all three points, three to two over Brighton. But how they got those three points was was absolutely insane in the final seconds there. But you know, they, they stole this game, Clayton. I don't think yeah. that there's any other way that you can say it from a, for a United perspective. Brighton deserved at least a point, probably deserved the win the game, to be honest with no, you. Right. Uh, and, and to get that PK essentially after fi- after the final whistle had blown. But from a United fan perspective, how, how, should, we, how should we feel about this, Clayton? So this, this was a highway robbery to a certain degree. Yeah, uh, there are times that Manchester United dominated games and lost. So, you know, Sometimes that nugget will fall our way. So it's good to see that we at least got the three points. However, overall, I mean, we just didn't play a great game. You know, we, we just got extremely lucky that, you know, this game wasn't a 6-2 Brighton game. You know what I mean? You know, the United back line is poor at the moment. Aaron Wan-Bissaka got, you know, two tucked into the center backs, and which allowed uh, March to get wide open shots on that left-hand side. He just kept tucking in too far. You know, however... As far as the attack of United, I thought they did a better job of picking up the tempo and being more lethal. Um, obviously, Marcus Rashford had a great goal, individual effort, and you know put it away. Uh, but that was it. I mean, it, it just wasn't enough. Um, I will say the last two games that Vanderbeek came on, he's been somewhat in- influential, right? So he had a goal. And he led, and he also got the corner kick that led to the handball, obviously, PK. I will say for Brighton, Lamptey, Trossard, Mape, Conley, all had great games. I mean, shit, March should have had a hat trick just there on his left-hand side. And they hit, like, the goalposts, what, four or five times? I mean, yeah, I think Trussard, they were all Trussard over hit, it. hit it yeah. four times. Okay? Yeah. So you don't want to play the crossbar game with that guy. No. He's pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, overall... It was better in some ways, but still poor in the back. So, I mean, what can you do? 
I we still got the three points, and the handball is the handball. It is what it is. Yeah, I, I think, Barrett, from, from a neutral perspective here, you know, I don't think there's any arguments that it, that it was a handball, right? So I think, you know, Mape had his arm up above his uh, uh, head there, and so it definitely was was a handball per se. But, you know, in the final seconds, after the final whistle had blown, VAR comes in, the ref awards the penalty, uh, Bruno steps up, and, and, and you don't see this very often on the scoreline, the 90th, uh, the 10th tenth, tenth minute of, uh, of added time there, that the, the penalty to win the game, essentially the last kick of the game, right? They blew the whistle immediately after that. But, but you're thoughts on just a, a crazy finish in this one well i first i appreciate you uh, referring to me as a neutral fan here uh, <laughs> i don't know that a liverpool fan's really neutral towards united but i'll I was take trying it. to give you the benefit <laughs> of the doubt here <laughs> uh yeah i mean clayton hit most of my points there i mean it was it was just a poor effort um brightner incredibly unlucky not to get something out of that game uh, at least the one point if not all three um you know one thing you didn't mention is uh brighton also had a, a penalty that was overturned by var earlier That's in the true. game I think early in the second half, I think yeah. it was a Pogba, yeah, Pogba uh, that yeah. was overturned. Yeah. yeah, it was uh, Mope going down the left side, getting in the box. Uh, Pogba coming across the back of him, and you know Mope, you know made made a, as much out of it as he could, but there was definitely contact there on the back of his foot, and I, I could have seen that one going either way. But uh, definitely unlucky that the, the penalty in the 100th minute, the four or five shots off the crossbar and the posts. Uh, Brighton was incredibly unlucky, and frankly, Brighton uh, after what. Uh, They've done so far this year. I, I think we underestimated them. Yeah, you, you could be you could be absolutely right. I mean, I think uh, you know Grand Parters. He, they they've improved, right? They're better than they were last year. I think through at least three games watching them. Right. We we mentioned you know Tarek Lamptey down the right, kind of a wing back position player there. Mape, uh, Sully March. Um, you know, and some of the some of the guys that they have. They you know, and Lewis Dunk's been kind of a steady guy for them in the middle at, at a center half uh, over the last few years as well, captain of that squad. And so you're right. Maybe maybe we underestimated them, right? And, and they're not going to go down. It looks like if you were to take a snapshot after three weeks, right? So. Uh, but uh, yeah, they they looked they looked good. But again, was it was it them looking really good or United playing below uh, their their capabilities again? But uh, yeah, as a United fan, it's like I had to take a shower after that match. I felt dirty after after getting all three points. You just you didn't feel good about it. Uh, uh, you know, obviously we'll take it. Uh, and as you mentioned, Clayton, some of those things after thirty eight uh, weeks. Uh, they tend to even out, but um, yeah, kind of a a wild finish there for sure. But you know, talking about another wild result, guys. Um, certainly, we didn't pick it in, in our pickums uh, last week, but Leicester City goes to the Etihad and puts a five spot up on Manchester City on the Citizens. Leicester wins this game five two, and Jamie Vardy has found a way to be a thorn in City's side for the last few seasons now. But you know, your your thoughts on this one, Barrett? I, I don't maybe not so shocking that Leicester got a result. Per se, but the way that they got the result, uh, they they were they looked really good in this game. And Leicester's one of those teams coming into the season that you know I honestly didn't think a lot of. I thought uh, I thought they were kind of due to to fall back, and Brendan Rodgers might uh, have a hard time holding on to his job all season. But wow, what a result! You know, Mares gets him ahead in the fourth minute, and you think, okay, you know, the route is on, and then the City defense strikes. Uh, Kyle Walker concedes a, P, a PK. Uh, Eric Garcia loses track of Vardy. Uh, Garcia then takes Vardy down for another PK. Uh, then Garcia gives uh, Madison just yards and yards of space for that beautiful curling effort. And then, you know, Mindy obviously there at the end gives up another penalty. So it's just complete and, and utter uh, shambles, the, the city defense. 
Yeah, and they went out and tried to do something about it this uh, this past weekend, and we'll talk about that with uh, bringing in Ruben Diaz uh, a little bit later. But, you know, Garcia yeah, had a howler for sure. It's, it's got to be the skull cap, right, Clayton? It's restricting uh, blood flow to his brain. Uh, he's got to get rid of that thing. But your your thoughts on this, I'll, I'll go ahead and call you a neutral uh, on on this one, Clayton, uh, given you're a United fan here. But uh, your thoughts on City capitulating the way that they did, I mean, just giving up penalties and goals left and right in this one against Leicester. I don't think it was so much, you know, City's defense in that it was more of Jamie Vardy just having, like, an awesome game, right? Leicester, were, they were able to break the lines of City, um, getting through and fronting defenders, you know, Jamie Vardy just making excellent runs, knowing where his positions were, knowing where the defenders were, how he could get in behind and, you know, make contested plays. So, I mean, outside the brilliance of Jamie Vardy, I mean, Leicester just, they were just always on the front foot and looked very sharp going forward. I, I will say they were exposed on set pieces, and, you know, you saw that problem with, you know, Kevin De Bruyne uh, just putting in excellent balls into the box. But, I mean, that's the only negative I could have, you know, picked out for Leicester City. Other than that, yeah, like I said, uh, Manchester United – Manchester United – Manchester City – Defense was terrible, you know. They yeah, Manchester constantly... United defense is terrible. Too. <laughs> it's fair, and like you said, Barrett. I mean, they're just out of position. You know, weren't tracking the runners, and then you know, Jamie Vardy just made him pay, and James Madison with that howler. No, I, I think I think it's 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 a good point there with Jamie Vardy. You know, he's kind of a crafty veteran now, right? He's getting up there in age. You know, he's been, he's probably not as quick as he used to be uh, whenever he first came into the Premier League a few years ago and kind of shocked the world during that uh, that that fun Leicester run. Uh, but, you know, he's so smart, right? The, the moves and the runs that he makes and his ability to put himself in position, uh, he kind of he sees the field really, really well. I think that's the best thing that you can say about him for sure. And so uh, that just comes with experience, right? And he's uh, he's making the most of it here through the first three games. And, uh, yeah, well on his way to competing for another golden boot uh, early on in the season here for sure. But uh, we'll, we'll see if it uh, it holds on. But, you know, not to be overshadowed here, guys, you know, you know Riyad Mahrez had the first opening goal in this game in the fourth minute. And, my goodness, what a goal, a, right? A yeah. half volley just with his weaker right foot to an absolute rocket up into the top left corner. Uh, you got, you got to give him some dap on that. That was a fantastic goal, but, uh, yeah, wasn't enough. I mean, Lester, they look really good through the first three weeks. We got to give them credit, but, you know, talking about games that ended with drama, you know, Jose Mourinho, uh, he's no stranger to drama, uh, even, even in big wins or big losses, uh, to where the, uh, the margin is not that tight, but, you know, a little penalty drama in added time in this one as well as Newcastle United gets the penalty, uh, Callum Wilson steps up and, and, and busted in, in the, uh, seventh minute, 97th minute, if you want to call it that, uh, they get a one, one result there. Uh, but your thoughts on this one, Spurs again, just didn't do enough. I don't think Barrett, but, uh, your, your thoughts on that match. Well, I think Spurs probably did a little bit more than we're, than most people will give them credit for in this game. Um, they, they were pretty dominant. Now, of course, Newcastle's going to let them, you know, control possession and look for those counters. But, you know, Spurs had 12 shots on goal, but 11 of them were straight at the keeper. So you get 12 shots on goal, uh, you got to expect better finishing than that, especially when you've got guys with the quality of Son, uh, Harry Kane, Lucas Mora. When we get down to that, penalty in the 97th minute, it, it shouldn't have been a one nil game. Uh, Spurs should have been up two, three, four goals, something like that. And it should, shouldn't have mattered. If I were Jose, I probably would have been frustrated too and walked off. And interestingly enough, uh, he's, he's kind of starting a trend there midweek in the Carabao cup. He, uh, runs off the field, chasing Eric Dyer to the shitter. So, uh, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't know what he's got going on there, but he's, he's definitely uh, spending a lot of time in the locker room. 
Yeah, no, I, I uh, Jose, he's his uh, his on field and then down the tunnel antics. Now he's coming becoming just as famous for that as he is his uh, his coaching tactics there for sure. I, I want to say one of his assistants, one of his goal goalkeeping coach, I think, uh, didn't follow him down the tunnel and ended up getting a red card. I think, and so he'll uh, he'll he'll be suspended and I'm sure fined for a couple of games there for arguing with the ref. Uh, after after the final whistle had blown. But uh, your thoughts on, on this one, Clayton. So uh, Spurs drop a couple more points here. Uh, as, as Barrett mentioned, you know, arguably probably shouldn't have, but uh, Newcastle finds a way to nip a point in the end. Overall, I thought this was Tottenham's most complete performance uh, just from a game management perspective. Um, it was a great attacking performance as far as the buildup. I mean, they, you know, like you said, you know, Newcastle let them have a bunch of the possession, but they were able to do something with it, right? So... Except for score, uh, simple as that. They should have just fin- finished their chances. Um, you know, I also thought that handball was extremely weak as well as far as the penalty goes, and I guess we'll be talking about that later. But, I mean, you know, Newcastle had nothing going forward, and Spurs just dominated the whole game. So there wasn't much to really commentate on, you know, how it went. Yeah, well, uh I have to take credit for it. Maybe not the way that I thought, but I thought that Newcastle would get a result. Again, they've kind of played Spurs close over the last few years for whatever reason. I can't explain it why, but they tend to get a result whenever they probably shouldn't have. So so I won a few units on that one. I think I had Newcastle plus 300 or so, give or take, on getting a draw on that one. So that one worked out for me. That's about the only good pick I made last week, but I got that one right. So. Well, again, talking about crazy finishes and crazy comebacks, guys. Uh, you know, last last major game that we'll highlight here before we move on to the week four news, we got to talk about West Brom and Chelsea. West Brom, you know, our unanimous pick for dead last, twentieth uh, place in the EPL this year. They they race out to a three nil lead in the first half against Chelsea, and then slowly start to fritter it away in the second half. And sure enough. In added time, Tammy Abraham gets a goal. Uh, Chelsea comes back and ties it 3-3. But uh, crazy finish, crazy second half here. But uh, your thoughts on this one, Barrett? Chelsea had their chances in the first half, right? Um, Tammy Abraham misses a wide-open goal. Uh, Werner puts one off the bar. Uh, but those mistakes at the back, just complete blunders. You know, Tiago and James just gift West Brom the early lead. But as you'd expect, the quality wins out in the second half, and, and Chelsea – starts capitalizing on their uh, build-up play, and there just wasn't enough minutes in the second half uh, to get that fourth goal. But, yeah, once that tide turned, you could just feel it coming, and you knew it was it was uh, going to end at least with a draw, if not a Chelsea win. Yeah, and, and you're right. And had there been two more minutes, Chelsea probably would have got a fourth uh, to, to go ahead and win that game because they were just running rampant down the last uh, last few minutes of that game. But, uh, uh, you know, speaking of uh, coaches getting or uh, dressing down players, I, mean, I think there was reports on this one that uh, Frank Lampard uh, went after your boy Marcus Alonso on this one, uh, Clayton. So he uh, he gave him a bunch of shit after he uh, went to the uh, the bus, I think, to watch the game after getting subbed out at halftime. So, But uh, your, your thoughts on this, uh, Chelsea, West Brom, again, great comeback by Chelsea, but arguably they never should have been in that position against a lowly West Brom team, but uh, they find a way to at least get a point. It's kind of funny. I think this is our what first tie. Yeah, we, yeah, we yeah, finally got tie. well we, that that and Spurs and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, well, Newcastle. So we got some ties. Well, we got yeah, some we got draws. some ties. Yeah. So I mean, it was kind of funny because this is like one of the most exciting games to watch as far as a comeback goes this season, and it was a tie. <laughs> um, for Chelsea, I mean, obviously, you know, Barrett hit on it. Um, you know, just a comedy of defensive errors, really. Um, you got to give credit to Robinson for that up front, you know, kind of pressing them as well and then punishing them for those errors. You know, if, you know, Willie Caballero started, right? So 
does Keppa make one of those saves if he starts? I don't know. I mean, that's you know, that's up to you know be debated, right? So, I mean, other than that, Chelsea dominated the entire game, and they had they created chances all over the pitch. Um, I thought Hudson Adoy definitely had an impact off the bench. Um, he had one of the goals, if I'm correct. And then Kai Havertz, uh, I thought he had a better game. Um, I know he had a hat trick earlier that week in the Carabao uh, Cup. In the Carabao think, Cup. Yeah. So that was good for him and good for Chelsea to see him have a better game and come back. So, yeah, other than that, um, I mean, Chelsea should have won that game, but, you know, it is what it is. And you got to give credit to West Brom for making him pay. Yeah, I mean, West Brom will look back on this, and, and you know, it's hard to say that it, that it was three points lost, but uh, you know, especially going into the game. But the way that they came out and played so well early on and had that three goal lead, uh, you know, they're going to be disappointed to only come away with a, a, a draw here. But you know, probably over the overall you know ninety minutes, uh, probably a fair result given that uh, uh, Chelsea was so dominant in the second half for sure. But you know, other games from the weekend, Everton was able to keep their streak going. They beat Crystal Palace two one. Calvert Lewin and Ricarlison there with a penalty. Uh, Chet Kaate, Kuate gets the goal for Crystal Palace. Uh, Southampton uh, gets the lone goal from one of my fantasy picks last week, and we'll talk more about that here in a moment. Danny Ings <laughs> in the fifth minute. Uh, Southampton dispatches Burnley 1-0. Leeds United, not quite as exciting as their first two games, but they they get another three points. Uh, Patrick Bamford scores a late goal. They, uh, they beat Sheffield United 1-0. Uh, and then Wolves, your Wolves squad, uh, Clayton. Oh, ugly, ugly game. So West Ham United sticks it to them 4-0. Uh, at uh, at the uh, the Olympic Stadium there in London in West Ham, so they they thump on uh, on Wolves pretty bad. And then uh, the other Monday night football game, Aston Villa uh, beat up on Fulham three uh, 0 there. Grealish uh, gets a goal. Tyrone Means, another one of my fantasy picks. Again, we'll talk about that here in a moment. Uh, he gets a goal in the second half as well. But Fulham, they might be in trouble. I think I think we all picked them for the drop, if I'm not mistaken, in our preseason. Uh, predictions, but uh, they they have come out to an ugly slow start for sure. So uh, maybe uh, Scotty Parker and that crew can get things turned around. But uh, I think they lost earlier today to um, a rival Brentford uh, in the Carabao Cup three 0 So that probably won't go over real well with the uh, Fulham fan base as well. But uh, uh, bigger news today, guys. Earlier we had the Champions League draw. Uh, and so four English squads there, uh, our, our two squads are in it, Manchester United, Liverpool, uh, Manchester City, and Chelsea. Um, your thoughts on the Champions League draws that kind of came out uh, earlier today. Uh, from a Liverpool perspective, Barrett, you got to feel pretty good, right? So not a bad draw. Yeah, you got to like Liverpool's chances of coming out of this group with Ajax, Atalanta, and uh, the Danish team, I'm not going to try to pronounce. I think it's FC Michelin, I think is how you pronounce yeah. that. Yeah. Not just the chances to advance, but I'm looking forward to actually watching these games with Ajax and Atalanta, teams that like to get up and down the pitch, create chances, score goals. I think we're going to see a lot of entertaining football out of Group D. Yeah, and, and Clayton, it's it's the opposite end of the spectrum for Manchester United. I don't know if they qualify as the group of death because there's a couple other groups that are that are pretty tight here and tough as well, but my goodness, they draw – uh, PSG, they draw RB Leipzig, two of the semifinalists from this past year's competition. Those two actually squared off in the final four. And then uh, Istanbul uh, Basaker, I believe is how you pronounce that. But tough draw for Manchester United uh, in their return back to the Champions League this year, right, Clayton? I would have to say it, it is the group of death. Uh, maybe Group A might have, you know, some contention too. Um, no, I mean, Paris, uh, Leipzig, Istanbul, all great teams. I mean, Leichpeg, what, made it pretty close last time. 
So a couple I mean, months ago, really. They, yeah, had, they had PSG on the ropes. They yeah, were up I one mean, nil, up and then on PSG them. scores yeah. two goals in the last five minutes to 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 win that and move don't move on to the final. Yeah, right now PSG does not look good. Um, that is some true. problems yep. going yep. down right now. I'm I'm sure they'll clean it up eventually, but there's definitely some problems. Um, hopefully that'll continue when we play them. But you know that's just my opinion. Um, no, I mean Juve, uh, Barcelona Group G, and Dina, Dynamo Kiev, and man, I'm not gonna even try to pronounce that. Rinkvaros, I believe. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that will be an interesting group too. As far as like Barcelona making it out, do you think they would? with the kind of quality and talent that they have, or do you think they'll bow out? You know, with their quality and talent, yeah, they should advance. But with the soap operas going on there, um, Dynamo Kiev is always kind of one of those punchy teams that has a chance of of, uh, getting the the win when you don't expect it. So I'm not going to go out on a limb and pick Kiev, but I could very realistically see them uh, advancing ahead of Barcelona. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it, you you have to, you know, new new coach, new manager coming in, Ronald Koyman, right? And he's familiar with the club, you know, played there in the past. And so he's going to, you know, bring a little bit of institutional knowledge to that. But, yeah, I mean, there there's issues going on there, right? I think uh, earlier this week you had Messi come out and saying, hey, look, I just want to put this all behind us. Let's just move on. You know, we'll talk about it in May whenever it uh, comes up again or whatever, you know, that contract out that he has. And it, it still seems that he's probably on his way out when it's all said and done. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's some issues there. You mentioned PSG. They're always a soap opera. Maybe the one big European club that, that's more of a soap opera than Manchester United on average, right? So you have the big personalities there with uh, uh, Neymar and uh, Mbappe and some of the other guys that kind of come and go through there as well. Well, but uh, yeah, and they have started really ugly um, in the French league there uh, early on. They said they had some COVID issues and some guys that were held out the first couple of games. But even when those guys have came back now, um, they haven't looked too hot. So, and you know, last time United played them in the Champions League, there was a you know kind of a you know one of those historical European nights in Manchester United history that where we come back and uh, get the penalty in the final minutes there. Uh, Marcus Rashford, Rashford puts it away, and uh, United wins on away goals and goes to the quarterfinals and summarily gets their ass kicked. So didn't really come to anything but another one of those early exits uh, in the Champions League uh, that's plagued PSG over the last few years despite the fact that they made it to the final this year but you know I think from an English perspective guys I think Chelsea was the big winner uh, they get drawn with Sevilla, uh, who was in pot A because they won the Europa League uh, earlier this summer. Uh, and then Krasnodar and Wren, uh, one of the uh, the French teams there. But you got to favor Chelsea as, as probably the favorite to win that group, right? So I, I think out of the English squads, they probably won. Manchester United probably lost. And then Liverpool and Manchester City, again, we got to give a little bit of a, a air time here to City, but they draw Porto, Olympiacos, and Marseille. Uh, you know, some of those teams that historically have, have caused problems in, in the in Europe in the past, but uh, um, again, you would favor City and Liverpool for sure to win their groups, but uh, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there, right? So we're just a few weeks away from uh, Champions League football kicking off again, so excited about that, but you know, the next news story that we got on here, guys, you know, speaking of City, is, is some of the injury plagues, or injury, they've been injury plagued, I should say, uh, here over the last few weeks, and so they, it was hard for them to kind of field a, a full uh, 18-man squad over the last couple matches, but, you know, namely or chiefly among those injuries was uh, uh, Jesus. Uh, he's going to be out for over a month. Um, they've, they've got some problems from a striker standpoint with injuries, and Aguero has been, you know, uh, plagued with injuries over the last few years, years as well, but they do go out and, and get uh, help on defense. They acquire Ruben Diaz. Um, that, that deal has closed, and he's on his way over now past the medical. Uh, but your, your thoughts on City, 
you know, a lot of injuries here, Barrett, but uh, but they are at least spending money and trying to address some of those defensive problems at the back, it seems. Well, yeah, and they they have had to improvise up front. You know, this past weekend they had Sterling playing as a center forward where he's, you know, most effective as, as a winger. But, uh, you know, he's got enough talent that he can kind of make do uh, anywhere in that front half of the pitch there. But, uh, you know, defense is the concern. As we saw with, with the performance giving up five goals to Leicester, including three PKs, you know, going out and, and buying Diaz helps. We'll see how he pans out. But, you know, Pep has spent 390 million pounds on, de- on his defense since he's been at City. Uh, and their defense is just not good right now. Um, you know, from most expensive to least, uh, you know, Ruben Diaz, uh, Yao Cancelo, uh, Laporte, Mindy, Stones, Walker, Ake, Danilo. You know, Walker and Mindy have had their moments, but really the only unquestioned success at this point has been Laporte, and that's only when he's healthy. So, you know, so far, Ake looks good. Uh, you know, maybe between Ake, Laporte, and Diaz, they can form a solid rotation back there at center back. But it's not like this is a, an area he's been neglecting. Um, he's been buying there. It's just been, you know, not wise money he's been spending. Yeah, absolutely. You, you can't question um, the, the ownership's intent. They spent the money. Clayton and uh, and you know same can be said for United to a certain degree over the last few years as well, right? So they've opened up the checkbooks. Although uh, we'll talk about their spending or lack thereof in this transfer window here in a moment, but you know your thoughts on City. You know how, how do you see Ruben Diaz fitting into that back line? Um, and uh, and you know what what are they going to have to do or what are they going to do moving forward with all those injuries up front? Well, they do get. Sergio back, I think here in the next couple of weeks. From the latest report I read, was October seventeenth that he's maybe after the next international yeah, break. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. So he's expected to come back, and that's good for me and City. Uh, <laughs> fantasy perspective, right? <laughs> from yeah. a fan- fantasy perspective, um, no, but you know, I was actually um, I thought this was a great move by Manchester City. So you know, I kind of watched a couple of highlights on him just to see how he played. You know, I was very. Very impressed with his work rate, um, along with his ability to close down attackers. And then, you know, in the in the classic Pep style, you got to be comfortable in possession as well and also be a great distributor from the back. So, you know, I think it's a great signing for City. No, I, I agree. And, you know, they've, they've been struggling to replace uh, former uh, captain and club legend Vincent Company, right? Ever since he retired, I guess retired, I think he went back to Belgium to kind of be a player coach, if I'm not mistaken, uh, a couple years ago. But he was getting up there in age and uh, had kind of had nothing left to prove and uh, won a lot of trophies with City during his tenure there after uh, the, uh, um, the Abu Dhabi group kind of come in and bought him and spent all that money and stuff. And yeah, seems like they're still searching. And again, I, I can relate as a Manchester United fan. I think we're still trying to replace uh, the money Vidic and uh, Rio Ferdinand and so maybe uh, Harry Maguire might help fill that role I'm, I'm not so sold on Lindelof just yet so but uh, uh, we're, we're still looking for that uh, other half of a center half pairing as well but you know guys one of the notes that we have on here and we talked about some of the crazy finishes from from match week three but all of this VAR stuff my goodness you know is is, is VAR the current MVP after three weeks I mean you know the moments in the critical uh, junctures of these games that we're going to replay and the impact that they have. I mean, it's the difference between three points and one point or one point and no points. Uh, they just seem to, it, it seems like it's being uh, overwhelming, at least from a VAR standpoint. But uh, your, your thoughts on VAR, again, still relatively new to the game. Is it good for the game, Barrett? Is it bad for the game? It certainly is in our face. We can't avoid it. Look, you know, we watch a lot of American football here too. And, you know, with the instant replay, you'll want them to get the calls right, right? You don't want a mistake to incorrectly award the result to one team over the other. You know, I guess you got to say VAR is working as FIFA intends. Now that 
the Premier League is kind of matching the interpretations as the other uh, leagues across Europe, but I don't really like it. <laughs> There's just far too many penalties. Uh, if we're going to leave, you know, th- the current interpretations in place, you know, I have a suggestion that nobody's going to listen to and nobody's going to implement, but I would love to see. Whoever draws the PK takes the kick. You know, right now, Jamie Vardy is on pace for 65 goals this season with 52 of them coming from the penalty spot. I like the over. I'm taking the over on that. Yeah. If we're going to have that many that many penalties, I think it'd be more fair to not only individual honors like the Golden Boot and fantasy football, as, you know, I'm sure the players don't care about, but we certainly do. Um, and let's face it, it'd be a lot more fun to have the game on the line with Harry Maguire at the spot at the end of that game as opposed to Bruno Fernandez. Oh, are you kidding me? Oh, slabhead. He would knock it in the back of the net. I'm not worried at all. But yeah, kind of a free throw model, right? Okay. So if, you get, if yeah. you're the guy that gets fouled, you're the guy that takes the shot, right? So I, I, uh, I, I won't argue with that. Uh, uh, that that would have certainly spiced things up for sure. But uh, uh, your thoughts on VAR through the first three weeks, again, it's it's been everywhere. It's been in the news. Uh, and I think Barrett's right. I, I think they get the call right after a video review more often than not, Clayton. But I bet if you took a survey of every single fan uh, of, of an EPL squad, they always feel like they're getting fucked. And they, no one ever remembers the calls that go in their favor, right? All, all we ever remember are the calls that went against us that we thought were horseshit. But your, your thoughts on VAR, bud? Oh, I mean, it's good to a point, right? But the whole issue with the handball, we can't even define it right now as far as what's a handball and what's not. I guess according to how it's written, they have to use that type of judgment. And they were in the news. I think all the uh, um, EPL coaches were talking about um, kind of just rising up and saying like, hey, we got to clean this up. Like everyone was on board. You, You usually don't see that from you know EPL managers and they're like hey let's let's clean this up and I, I did see some reports that some of the referees are going to be like well yeah we agree but you know this is how it's written but we'll try to make a better effort I mean there was a couple of handballs out there they were just completely weak I mean yeah um, I mean it's good to have the v- VAR system to you know kind of look at that but not all of them are worth you know the penalty calls you know what I mean yeah, so, you, you you mentioned the the managers kind of coming out and and speaking out against it. Hell, even the Newcastle manager who benefited it uh, right, from yeah. it against yeah. Tottenham, Steve, yeah, Steve yeah. Bruce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve, Steve, Bruce. Steve Bruce speaks out uh, against it. So uh, if he benefits and speaks out, you know it's kind of a problem. Yeah, Brucey, you gotta love he he's always a straight shooter, right? Former United man, uh, played played center half, one of those old school tough guys. But uh, yeah, he did. He come out and kind of called BS on it as well. Uh, and you know, handball is kind of almost the equivalent. You know, you talked about watching American football over here, Barrett, but it's almost the equivalent of a catch in the NFL now, right? So you have to, you know, there's all these kind of crazy. You know it whenever you see it. Uh, it's different to everyone type of. Uh, you know, situation as to, as to whether it's a handball, as to whether it's a catch in the NFL. So, yeah, it'd be nice to just have a, you know, a clear, bright line rule so that we know, uh, and maybe it does away with more of the controversy kind of moving forward for sure. But, uh, you know, one of the big things that we have to talk about on this pod, guys, because it will have passed uh, by the time that we do this again next week, is that the transfer window closes on Monday. So October 5th is the uh, transfer window deadline this year, obviously extended a little later this year due to COVID reasons. Uh, and understandably so, but uh, lots of drama, lots of saga out there. Clayton, I'll start with you from a Manchester United perspective. Is Sancho coming? Is he not? Are we going to you know, get uh, uh, Usmani Dembele from Barcelona in his stead? Are we going to go out and buy a center half because our center halves all suck outside of Maguire? Uh, what, what's going to happen from a United perspective here? But what are your thoughts on you know, maybe some last-minute deals that transpire over the weekend before the Monday deadline, bud? 
I, I have no clue. I mean, everyone's speculating, you know, are we going to get all these players and not, or are we going to settle for one player and buy the next? I, I don't know. I mean, Ollie wants his number one target, and obviously Sancho. So we, I guess there's, you know, there's some talk out there too about offloading some of the, the current players that we have to, you know, obviously pay for this. They're trying to deal with, you know, Bruce at Dortmund, and then Manchester United just getting taken advantage of, really. They're always getting taken advantage of because of the name and the money behind them. So they're going to charge, you know, absurd amounts to, you know, buy players. So I don't know. I mean, as far as getting another player, maybe. I, I doubt they'll get the Sancho deal done, you know, but I could be wrong. But um, And also, Musa Dembele, he didn't have that much playing time, I guess, for Barcelona. So I didn't really get to see how, like, how well he does. But I know he is fast and can cause some problems, obviously, with speed. So it depends. I mean, you know, we just got to figure out what we want and how we're going to use it. Yep. No, I, I mean, I think from a Liverpool perspective, uh, Barrett, you got to feel pretty good, right? So you guys have gone out, you've done your business, you know, probably not a, a lot of moving and shaking here, maybe loaning out some of the younger kids before the window for sure. But again, a sign of a good good team, a good manager, a, a well-run organization. But you know, any, any thoughts as to maybe some of these other clubs uh, in the EPL that are kind of linked to some of these other big names here as we go into the uh, deadline weekend? Yeah, I mean, like you said, from a Liverpool standpoint, they're done buying uh, for this window. It's just going to be players going out. Uh, Rian Brewster, uh, Grujic uh, going back to Hertha Berlin most likely, uh, and uh, Harry Wilson potentially going out. So um, from the other clubs, you know, Man United is the most interesting, to be perfectly honest. You know, you got the Sancho deal, and if you're looking to fund that deal by players going out, I mean, the clock is ticking. You know, it's October 1st right now. We've got four more days. So I think it's a bit late in the game to start raising funds by selling players. So they're either going to have to just take that bite of the apple and sell them in the uh, January window, or they're going to move on to the next target. Uh, Dembele, uh, he's a world-class player, in in my opinion, with his, with his speed and his quality, but uh, he's a bit fragile. Uh, he doesn't play a lot because he's uh, always kind of in the training room. So it'll be interesting to see if they if they go with one of those options or, or resort to option C because uh, you know Dembele uh, came out a few weeks ago and said no he wants to fight for his place at Barca and had turned down loan moves to uh, Liverpool and Man United already yeah and, and a fragile is a good word there I think he's both fragile from a physical standpoint but from a mental standpoint as well right so I think he's kind of been in the doghouse at various times uh, through uh, his career at Barcelona whenever he made that move over and so uh, yeah you wonder about uh, you know the, the type of mental toughness that a player has and uh, you know from a United fan you know I, I think it, it's either Sancho or no one from that perspective you're thinking about a guy that's going to help us play down the right wing and so you know there were reports today that came out that, uh, again, whether they're true or not, who knows in the silly season, right? People just make crap up on the rumor mill. But that United had lodged a 90 million pound bid. It was rejected um, in that uh, uh, Borussia Dortmund were, were holding fast or holding stead in their 108 million pound valuation. But that there were talks that came out that maybe 95 or 96 million might be a go between there, you know, kind of a, a settlement range to, uh, that, that the clubs might uh, come to an agreement on here. And, and I think for all intents and purposes, you know, Sancho can't come out and exactly say that he wants to make the move, but it seems like he is open to it. Uh, he is favorable favorable to it, right? So he was with Manchester City as a youth product and so familiar with the city there as well. And so uh, obviously has a lot of teammates and friends uh, on the United squad and uh, Marcus Rashford, uh, uh, namely, uh, comes to mind. But uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there, right? So, uh, and again, 
I, I have no idea. You know, United always drags these things out, it seems, over the last few years, ever since Sir Alex retired, right? So it, it's kind of been an ugly scenario for the last seven years, uh, and they've made a, a soap opera out of all these uh, uh, um, big transfers, and they usually end up paying whatever the other team wants. I think Clayton's right. They, they kind of get their feet held to the fire, and they've got the money, and uh, – uh, they always end up cutting the big fat check when it's all said and done. So we'll we'll see what happens with this one, and obviously be covering it next week uh, post uh, deadline for sure. But you know, I've got one one funny story on here that kind of came out. Uh, yeah, I said Klopp Cop five hundred one C three. He he made some uh, quotes uh, earlier in the week, uh, Barrett, that uh, your manager said the big club should help out the uh, the clubs that are struggling financially. I mean, I wouldn't expect anything less from a Liverpool manager. This communist manifesto here, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, I, I think he's got some good points, right? And essentially salary cap esque and, and profit sharing. Some of the you know, I think he was talking more about uh, uh, the uh, championship and the uh, the lower leagues uh, beneath the Premier League about maybe funneling some of that money down to those squads that are that really are struggling those clubs that are struggling. But um, any, any thoughts on that? I think his heart's in the right place, right? Yeah, I mean, look, anybody surprised that a guy from a socialist country is espousing socialist <laughs> ideals? I mean, uh, you know, this is not news. Sure, that's fine. If, if they want to take some, you know, a small piece of the, you know, Premier League TV contract and give it to the, the League Two squads or whatever, you know, that's fine. I don't have a problem with it. But I'm more worried about uh, Jurgen thinking about Villa coming up this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's focus on the task at hand, right? So, but uh, uh, any 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 parting shots on that, Clayton? Before we move on to the uh, match week four previews, um, I don't think the private interest owners will uh, be too happy about that. <laughs> yeah, you think John Henry and the uh, the Fenway group might have yeah, a discussion with anyone, them? It's like, hey, hey, hey yeah. we're we're here to make money, bud. So, yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. You're doing a great job on the field, but uh, leave the finances to us. So, yeah, it's, no, a, it's a business right now. <laughs> no, I think his heart's in the right place, and I don't necessarily disagree with him totally there but i had to get that in get a shot at barrett for sure but uh let, let's move ahead to the games uh, this weekend guys so we got four games on saturday uh six matches on sunday so no monday night football from an epl standpoint but uh let's start with chelsea hosting crystal palace here um you know obviously we talked a little bit about chelsea in the early part of the pod uh the the you know fell behind west brom three nil come back in uh last minute fashion to tie it up and get a three three draw uh, crystal palace had started relatively the results were well, or the results were good, right? So the performances wasn't so hot. They get beat by Everton this past weekend. But uh, your thoughts on Chelsea hosting Crystal Palace? Kind of a London derby here, uh, Barrett. Yeah, if uh, Chelsea's defense plays like they did last week, uh, Zaha will punish them. Uh, he will put the ball on the net. Um, so Palace is going to be sitting back and inviting Chelsea to have the possession. That's what they've done for the first three weeks, and they got, they've got they gotten six points out of that so far with uh, – you know, Everton, who might be uh, one of the top four this year, being the lone exception. So uh, I look for Chelsea to dominate possession. I look for uh, them to have some mistakes and for Zaha to get down there and score. I see a 2-2 draw. Okay, I like it. Uh, Clayton, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, you know, we just need to have Chelsea have a, you know, complete performance. They just need to clean up the mistakes at the back. They have... You know, obviously, there are attackers up front that can do some damage. Um, and like you said, Barrett, I expect, you know, Crystal Palace to sit back and attack, um, sit back and then maybe get the ball and attack. So, I mean, if Chelsea can sit and just, you know, knock the ball around, get everyone moving, that we could, you know, or not we, Chelsea could definitely come out and win this game big. Um, it depends. I mean, Timo still hasn't had a goal for the the side yet, and we're still looking for him. I hoping he finally gets you know you know a goal bag for the club. But uh, yeah, I think Chelsea are too too dominant up front to have Crystal Palace come back and win this game at all. 
Yeah, and you mentioned Timo there. He he's been in and around the goals, right? right? So he hit the crossbar this past week and <laughs> and makes uh, makes some good runs, and he looks active up front, right? And so you, you have to think that he uh, uh, he's going to get uh, on the uh, score sheet eventually here. But uh, I, I like Chelsea to bounce back in this one, so it may not be pretty. Uh, you know, Palace has a way of kind of ugling things up, and they can be well organized. I think Roy Hodgson he's been in the game forever. He's a good manager, uh, and, and and so I think Crystal Palace might make it tough on Chelsea early. Wouldn't shock me if this is nil nil at the half. But uh, go ahead and give me. Chelsea to win this one, get all three points. Uh, I'll go one nil. So I think this may be an ugly it up, but uh, I think Chelsea finds a way to uh, to get the win. I'm going to go a little bit out of order here, guys, uh, based on how we have it on our big screen here. But another Saturday, the later game on Saturday, uh, which should be exciting, should be some fireworks in this one. But we have Leeds United uh, hosting Manchester City. Uh, Barrett, your thoughts on this one? Again, Leeds has been exciting uh, for most of their games. Again, got a, a kind of a, a, a boring one nil win this past weekend against Sheffield, but City's been exciting as well. But uh, you, you expecting fireworks in this one? You know, I really want to go with Leeds for the upset here. Uh, they're kind of the the Cinderella story, right? You know, we we kind of picked them to finish mid table uh, based on how dominant they were last year in the championship, plus the transfer business. But they haven't disappointed. It's been entertaining. Every week, you know, minus the one nil game wasn't quite as exciting. But, uh, you know, City's just got too much class, too much quality. And after coming off that embarrassing display against Leicester, uh, I just think uh, I think City's just going to have too much here. I see something in the ballpark of a 3-1 for City. Clayton, your thoughts on this one. So, does City, they, they bounce back this weekend against a, you know, explosive Leeds United team? Maybe. I mean, so this game's going to have, you know, both teams that love to press and win the ball back fast, right? I'm just interested to see the the you know the matchup between Bamford and the City back line. I mean, you saw what Jamie Vardy did. Can Bamford do it with the form he's in at the moment? Um, if Leeds can play through the lines direct, they have a chance. You know, City are going to need to find you know a striker to striker to rely on, someone that can go through and actually score these goals. So, are you relying on Morris, Sterling, De Bruyne? Um, they just have to step up and find the net this week if they have a chance. And I, I do, like like you said, Barry, I think Leeds might have – this could be an upset game. I mean, I, I, I couldn't put it past Leeds. And so, I mean, it could be an upset. But, you know, like you said, Barry, I think they, Manchester City just has too much quality um, to, you know, really lose this game. No, I I think uh, I think Manchester City will be somewhat embarrassed by that performance last weekend, and so I think Pep will make some adjustments. He'll make some tweaks, right? He's a tinkerer uh, as it is, and so it wouldn't shock me if the lineup looks significantly different uh, this weekend against Leeds than what it was this past weekend against Leicester. But uh, but but give me Manchester City, and I actually have the same scoreline on this one, Barrett. I like Manchester City to win this three-one uh, at Leeds and uh, and kind of bounce back from that uh, disappointing loss this past weekend against Leicester. But uh, moving ahead to Sunday, guys, the uh, one of the early games here uh, is that of Wolves uh, uh, hosting Fulham. You know, Wolves had a talk about disappointing losses. They got their butts kicked by West Ham last week, and we talked about Fulham earlier. They've just been on an awful start, uh, awful run, awful start to the season thus far. Um, your thoughts on this one, Barrett? Do, 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 do Wolves get right, or do Fulham finally get on the board and have a good performance? Man, we've all been high on Wolves so far this year, and they uh, really proved us wrong this last weekend. Man, I don't know what to expect. I, I think Fulham is is very, very poor. Uh, so I think Wolves, with all that attacking quality up front, are going to put the ball in the net. But as they showed last week, they're vulnerable uh, to the to the uh, counters. So I'm going to – gosh, I know it's a, it's a big score line. I'm going to go 4-2 Wolves. 
Uh, that'll be fun to watch if that, that actually takes place. I'll take six goals in an EPL game. But uh, your, your thoughts on this one, Clayton. Wolves is your squad, man. So you, you loved them all preseason. So who, do they bounce back? Again, disappointed us last week uh, against West Ham. Yeah, I think they'll bounce back. Um, I, like you said, we they have too much quality on the Wolves, you know, front end to, you know, not warrant some more goals, obviously. You could have said that last week, but against, you know, a declining side that is Fulham, you know, even with, you know, the two Americans they do have on their side. Um, yeah, I, I just can't see them losing this game as, as bad as Fulham is, you know what I mean? So they just have too much quality, so... I can't see even Fulham even scoring in this game. I have Wolves three to zero okay. against Fulham. I, I, I like Wolves to win as well. I think they'll bounce back. I think they win this two to one again. I, I want to root for Scott Parker. I, I like him, loved him as a player uh, there, and, and and really like him as a manager. And, and want 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 him to do well. Want him to stay up and want him to make it. But man, they've just been they've looked so bad again. We talked about it earlier today. Um, they they lose to uh, rival Brentford uh, in the Carabao Cup. Um, I, I think. You know, Nuno Espirito Santos, he's one of those managers that, you know, he, they probably don't have two clunkers in a row. Uh, and so I think he'll 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 make the changes necessary and get that team ready to play. And so I like Wolves to win this one 2-1. So um, moving on to the next game on Sunday, guys, Arsenal hosting Sheffield United. And you want to talk about another team that's got out of the gates really slow, right? A team that we, you know, overperformed last year. Uh, you know, manager Chris Wilder, they, they did a great job. I think ended up finishing eighth or ninth, whatever it was, top half of the table performance, which kind of came out of nowhere. Um, you know, Arsenal obviously had the uh, the loss to Liverpool on Monday night. Um, you know, your thoughts on this one, Barrett? Does uh, does Sheffield finally get things right, or does Arsenal bounce back and uh, and get a win in this one at home? You know, uh, Sheffield have just been playing awful. Um, three losses, no goals scored in those three losses. It's been boring. It's been bad. Uh, it's been hard to watch, and and that's what has them looking at, at striker options like like uh, Rian Brewster. Uh, they put in a bid for him. I think that deal is going to happen. Uh, so you'll likely see Brewster, maybe not this weekend, but next weekend playing for Sheffield. Um, this week is the week that things change, though. No, they're not going to get a result, but they, they are going to get a goal, probably on a PK based on uh, what's happened so far this year. But I'm going to go 2-1 Arsenal. Okay, Clayton, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, you know, Sheffield United had their hands full with Leeds, and they're going to have the same thing with, you know, the attacking threat of Arsenal. Um, you know, Sheffield had issues with the counterattack against Leeds. And I think it'll be a field day for either Lacazette, William, if he's fit to play. I know he picked up a little knock um, in last week's game, and Aubameyang. However, I still think there's some attacking threat to Sheffield. You know, they can be a dangerous on the attack as well as they showed against Leeds. Just couldn't finish their chances for Arsenal outside of that scoreline for you know the the Liverpool game. You know I thought the two center backs actually had decent games. I know it's kind of funny to say I don't know David Luiz actually I thought had a good game and so did Rob Holding, um, but I, I expect them to come out and show that same performance if they both start. So um, yeah, I have Arsenal winning three to one. I'm I'm with you guys. I, I like Arsenal to win this game. I've got it 2-0. I, I want to root for Sheffield. Again, Wilder, they were a fun team to root for as a neutral perspective last year uh, because they were over overachieving um, and, and fun to watch. But, man, again, they've just got out to such a slow start this year. And uh, similar to, to the Wolves spot, 
in the other, earlier game of, uh, with Fulham. You know, I think uh, Sheffield is catching him at a bad spot, and I think Arteta, uh, you know, he he's shown that uh, he'll he'll make tweaks and he'll make changes to kind of get that Arsenal squad going. So I, I like them to kind of bounce back and, and get the win here too. Nil. So, uh, well, the next game on the list, guys, uh, your squad, Barrett, uh, traveling uh, Liverpool, traveling to Aston Villa. Uh, Aston Villa again looked looked good the last two games. Uh, their their game last week, and then a. a, a uh, Carabao Cup game earlier today, I think. But uh, your your thoughts on Liverpool traveling to Aston Villa this Sunday? Yeah, I mean, Aston Villa's been better than I expected so far this year, but but it is a game Liverpool should dominate just based on quality, right? Uh, the, their players are simply a lot better than Villa's. But coming off back-to-back games against Chelsea and Arsenal, and then not to mention Arsenal again uh, midweek in the Carabao Cup, this this just smells like a trap game to me. And uh, I think there's a decent chance Liverpool could come out flat. Um, unfortunately, I think that's going to happen. I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw. Okay, wow. Big prediction there. Oh. So, Clayton, your, your thoughts on this one. Liverpool, they've, they've looked good through the first three weeks. Uh, but Aston Villa, again, they, they've got one of those teams and Jack Grealish and some other, other players there that can be dangerous if you let them. But uh, your, your thoughts on this one on Sunday? Yeah, obviously, Aston Villa looked good against Fulham. I mean, there's obviously a reason why they wanted to keep Jack Grealish. I mean, he's a playmaker, goal scorer for the team. And, you know, you have to say it is, you know, a terrible Fulham side, but I don't think they have enough to get a result against Liverpool. Um, I think Liverpool will continue to dominate like they did Arsenal, and I, I just don't see Liverpool living this game. I think I have Liverpool, yeah, 3-2 to two, uh, Liverpool. Okay, I, I got 3-1 to one Liverpool for me. So, I, again, I think Liverpool keeps it rolling. Uh, you know, it wouldn't shock me if Villa maybe nick a go early, as you said, uh, Barrett, you know, catch Liverpool sleepwalking a little bit. But I think uh, th- there's enough horses in the stable there for Liverpool to flip the switch, maybe similar to a, a Chelsea and West Brom game from this past Saturday. But uh, I don't think they fall that far in the hole uh, and, and kind of come back and, uh, and get all three points here. But, uh, well, guys, with the game of the weekend, again, we've been highlighting uh, through the first few weeks these marquee matchups of the top six. And this one involves our squad, Clayton, and involves our former manager. So we have Spurs. Uh, Jose Mourinho headed back to Manchester United this weekend, uh, the Sunday afternoon game uh, here here in the States. So so looking forward to this one. But, you know, Clayton, it's our squad. I'll start with you on this one. Uh, your thoughts on United hosting Spurs this Sunday? Yeah, again, uh, I'll just touch back on you know, the Brighton game. I mean, to win this game. <laughs> You're going to have to match up against Son and Harry Kane in the form that they're in right now. So, I mean, obviously defensive marking on both the left and right from Luke Shaw and Aaron Wan-Bissaka. I thought Eric Bailly had a good game um, as far as um, his defensive responsibilities in the Carabao Cup. So, I don't know if he gets to start over Lindelof. That's to be determined. Um, you know, Spurs are going to be looking for three points, obviously, after, you know, that 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 unfortunate tie. Um against Newcastle. So can they keep it going against United? So, I mean, they, they did put a complete performance together, but they're also up and down type of team. Um, right now, I think Van de Beek needs to start over Paul Pogba. I'm going to make that as a prediction. Your, your bold not, prediction. Not, not a bold prediction, but I, it's just, why are we waiting for Paul Pogba, you know, 60 minutes to do something when he doesn't do anything? And you got, you know, Van de Beek out there making plays left and right, either, you know, like I said earlier, you know, scoring a goal, setting up the corner for a goal, and then, you know, against the, you know, the Brighton side on Wednesday, his uh, nice little flick to Juan Mata for that goal I thought was brilliant. But 
He's always made some sort of impact in each game. And Paul Pogba, yeah, he had a goal against Brighton um, during the week. And to be honest, it was going going way left of the goal until it hit the defender's back and popped back on frame. But Just like he drew it up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I mean, in order for Manchester United to win this game, they're going to have to make changes defensively and offensively to even have a chance. So I do have it as a 2-2 game. Um, so we'll see what happens, really. Okay. Well, Barrett, your thoughts on this big uh, matchup this weekend, Spurs traveling up to take on United. Yeah, you've got two teams disappointed with the performances so far, and both of them are looking to address problems as that transfer window closes, as we discussed. Kind of tough to predict because we don't know who's playing. Uh, you know, Spurs have, have brought in, uh, you know, Regulon, uh, Gareth Bale, and Vinicius. Uh, you know, does United get Dembele or Sancho deals done and over the line? Probably definitely not in time to, to play this weekend. But, you know, with all those unknowns, I'm going to go with what I do know, and that's that Harry Kane and Son are really good, and United's defense is not really good. Um, so I think the, that duo is going to punish United, uh, and I got 2 nil. Uh, to Spurs. But my real question is after leaving early in disgust against Newcastle and chasing Eric Dyer to the shitter uh, midweek, what is it that's going to drive Mourinho to go running down the tunnel? Uh, my money's on a, on a pizza delivery. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see, but yeah, does he kick a water bottle? So, something's going to happen. He's not going to come back to United and not make a showing, right? So there, he's going, there, will, there will be touchline drama, uh, I'm sure of that. That's the one thing I'm sure of. But I, I've got 1-1 one, one, uh, in this one. I, I think both squads and, and both sides will, will end up walking away somewhat disappointed here. I, I do think some of those former players or those players under former Manchester United manager Jose Mourinho will be up for this one. Uh, and so I think we'll see the, the best uh, of the likes of a, of a Marcus Rashford or an Anthony Martial uh, or or, uh, or maybe even a Paul Pogba, right? So obviously there was a a lot of uh, tension between Pogba uh, and uh, and Mourinho during that tenure there. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think it ends up being a one one draw. I think you know, kind of a stalemate. Maybe both managers ends up being a little bit cagey uh, for sure. But um, you know, I am excited to see what happens with Van de Beek, right? So you, you mentioned that Clayton and that uh, uh, Van de Beek's agent come out this week and said, "Hey, he, we didn't we didn't come over here to get uh, you know exactly. get twenty minutes off the bench each game." So uh, I don't I'm not a big fan of that. And so you know, does that put pressure on, on Ole to kind of get him in the game? Do, or is there are there egos to start managing in that uh, uh, clubhouse now that locker room? So we'll we'll see what happens. But my my thought is, why can't you play them all together, right? So right. put put Pogba in a more defensive holding role, you know, back there, kind of a pivot man in a four three three. Uh, throw uh, Bruno and uh, Van de Beek up uh, up uh, on the uh, uh, left and, and uh, right side of a, uh, a three man midfield and see what happens there. So, but uh, you know, again, uh, whether that happens uh, remains to be seen. But I like one one in this one. But okay, guys, well, we're kind of up against it here. We're, we're close to the hour mark as it is, but we got to make fantasy picks for match week four. Uh, as always, uh, we got to start at the back. And I guess recapping uh, last week, I did quite well. So uh, kudos <laughs> to me. I kicked you guys' ass, and uh, it wasn't even that close. I had some uh, decent picks and. Got Got some goals for my defenders, which is always kind of a bonus there. But uh, had Danny Ings up front, uh, and he got a goal, and so um, I I won match week three, and so I guess I'll I'll take our honors here and start it off. But we'll start at the back with goalkeepers, and I like Burn Leno. Uh, Arsenal, right? So we talked about them. Um, you know, they're hosting Sheffield United. Uh, wouldn't shock me if they get a, a clean sheet there. I think Sheffield United is just competent enough to get a bunch of shots on goal and maybe a few saves. Uh, we saw Leno earlier in the Carabao Cup in a shootout against Liverpool. He played really well today. I, I, I like him to keep that form going, but uh, give me Burn Leno as my goalkeeper. But uh, Barrett, who's your pick in goal? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Alex McCarthy at Southampton. Uh, 
you know, they're playing a West Brom who are not good at putting the ball in the net for the most part. So, uh, you know, Southampton likes to play a little bit compact. Um, I think that uh, West Brom will get some shots, and I think McCarthy will be stopping most of them. Okay. Uh, Clayton, your pick in goal. I have Jordan Pickford for Everton. Um, I mean, they're going to be playing Brighton, which, you know, Everton's back line's a little bit better than Manchester United. So, I mean, they're definitely going to get their chances on goal, Brighton is. Uh, but I think Jordan Pickford will be equal to him in making great saves. Okay. Well, let's let's move to the uh, the defenders here, guys. And so, again, for the sake of time, we'll just go all four of them at once here. But my, my four defenders here, uh, give me uh, uh, Robertson from Liverpool, as one of my fullbacks, I like Michael Keane, uh, Everton. You mentioned uh, uh, Everton's matchup against Brighton this week. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if they get, keep a clean sheet. Uh, I like Connor Cody uh, this week. You know, that guy plays every single minute for Wolves every single week. Uh, we talked about them having a disappointing game last week. I like them to bounce back and play well. And then my guy in our fantasy league, uh, Seamus Coleman from Everton. Again, I, I like Everton to uh, to play well and keep their their role going and uh, and get all three points against Brighton. So uh, Robertson, Keane, Cody, and Coleman, that's my back four uh, this weekend in match week four. But uh, who are your back four, Barrett? On the left, I'm going to start with Benjamin Mendy uh, for City going up against Leeds. In the center, I've got Yuri Mina at Everton, along with his uh, Northwest England counterpart, Virgil van Dyke, who you can never go wrong with. And then on the right side, uh, I'm kind of going on that Wolves theme with Nelson Semedo. Um, he got the start last week, although it uh, wasn't a great performance. Yeah, surprised, performance. surprised that he got the start. They slotted him right in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, he, I think he'd been uh, on the team for all of about two days when he started that match. So th- they obviously plan on playing him every week if they're going to do that. So uh, I like his chances against uh, Fulham. No, and I think it's a great pickup too. Again, just good business by Wolves, and he'll 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 make good there. So I'm confident of that. But uh, Clayton, who are your back for this week in match week four? Um, I have Ben Davies with Tottenham on my left back position against United. Yeah, I know, oh, right? Gosh. Well, he's not going to get any action down that left hand side, anyways, because United doesn't attack down the right. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> he may so be a little alone over there. I don't, yeah, he might be just hanging out by himself over there. So. Um, no, he's, he, I think he's going to have his hands full with, uh, um, you know, Mason Greenwood, but I think he'll be equal to it. Um, there's just not much attacking going down that right hand side. Um, and then I have Rob holding again. I I touched on him earlier. I thought he had a great game against Liverpool, you know, outside of the scoreline. I thought he was actually solid in, in the back. So, and then Tiago Silva, um, he's a veteran. Um, I know he made one of those mistakes during the West Brom game, but hell, I think he's, you know, too much of a veteran to, you know, have two bad games in a row. So I, I expect him to have a lot of touches on the ball, a lot of possession as, you know, Chelsea pushes forward. So, and then I also have Lamptey for Brighton. I know I'm kind of going against my own goalie here, but, um, you know, I thought he had a great game against Manchester United too. Um, I expect him to, also, you know, follow up that performance. He's he's been consistent so far this season, so that's why I've you know decided to pick him up on this fantasy pick. Um, I think he'll get a lot of possession as well, and then be able to possibly counter and either score or score or assist. So yeah, yeah, yeah maybe draw a penalty, right? So I, mean, I think he drew drew one of <laughs> yeah, the yeah, penalty, yeah. penalties against yep. uh, Manchester United this weekend uh, against Bruno there in the box. So yeah, he's he's a young player whose stock has really risen since Project Restart and has continued that uh, hot run of form for Brighton there on the uh, right wing back position. So good pick there. But uh, let's go to midfield, guys. So we got three midfielders again. We're, we're our lineup is a four three three, I guess if you want to call it that. But uh, I'm going to go with uh, Yuri Tielemans, uh, Leicester City. Uh, he stepped up and uh, scored a penalty against uh, 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 Manchester. 
City this pack, past weekend. Again, we can't give uh, Jamie Vardy all of them, right? So I, I was happy from a mm-hmm. fantasy perspective because I have him on my personal fantasy team uh, to see him bag a goal this week. But uh, I, I think that he uh, he continues a hot run of form and plays well. And he's kind of a, a pivot guy there and has a lot of touches in midfield. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne, Manchester City, again, they, they were embarrassed this past weekend against Leicester. I like him to bounce back. Enough said. He's a player that has a great deal of pride. Uh, he'll play well this weekend. Um, and then give me Paul Pogba, uh, Clayton. So, again, I think that uh, that personal uh, grudge match, if you will, with Jose Mourinho coming back to town and given the tension that those two guys have, I, I think Pogba's going to show up, and I think he's going to play well. And he's one of those guys, whenever he's playing well and he flips the switch, I mean, he can be an incredible player. But um, you know, whether whether he flips the switch this Sunday, we'll, we'll see. But uh, I'm going to go with him as my third midfielder. But uh, who are your three in the middle of the park, Barrett? Well, I've also got uh, Yuri Tillman's uh, with Leicester. Uh, so uh, all the same reasons, right? Uh, he, he He's pivotal there in the midfield. Um, and really kind of sparks a lot of that attack. Uh, I'm going with uh, Kai Averts uh, with Chelsea as my second midfielder. Uh, he's really come alive these last two midweek games in the Carabao Cup um, and really starting to kind of find his niche in that Chelsea side. I think it's uh, I think this is the weekend that uh, he either uh, finds the score sheet or, or picks up a couple of assists. Uh, and then this one's a, a bit off the wall. I'm going with uh, Danny Ceballos at Arsenal. You know, Ceballos, the last two weeks, he's come on as a substitute and has really kind of enlivened Arsenal's attack with Sheffield coming up this weekend who have not been good. Uh, I think he's done enough as a substitute the last two weeks to get the start. And uh, so I'm going to go with him to, to continue to be influential. That being said, he was pretty poor uh, earlier today against Liverpool in the Cup. <laughs> well, he gets the bad one out of the way, right? So he'll be ready to go this weekend for sure. But, uh, uh, Clayton, you're three, and you've got a familiar guy here. Yeah. Uh, there's kind of a clean sweep here, but uh, you're, you're three guys in the midfield. Yeah, I mean, to begin with, yeah, Tielemans, um, like you said, I, I thought he had a great game against uh, Man City being that guy that can make that find a ball into the box um, and then set up his players in a good position. So, um, I mean, it's a no-brainer. Obviously, we all like him. Um, I like Conte with uh, Chelsea. I thought he he's one of those guys that just motors around, man. He just got a motor on him. Always, he does well in possession. He can distribute the ball very well in the midfield. Um, I just like him as, you know, he's going to get his touches in this game, really. Yeah, I, he's not... You know, much of a goal-scoring threat, but he can set up people in good positions. Um, so, Matinho with Wolves, um, you know, I expect him to come back and have a better game. Um, you know, they were getting overrun in the midfield, and I think he's going to turn around and say, hey, you know, let's 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 start putting – I mean, also they're playing full in this week, so he might have some chances going forward, so – Nope, like those picks, guys. Well, let's go up front. Three attackers. Uh, who's going to bag all the goals this weekend? Uh, I'm going to start with uh, one of, one of the Arsenal guys and, and give me uh, Obama Yang. Uh, I, I think uh, again. I think he finds the back of the net against the Sheffield team that just hasn't gotten out of the gates yet uh, in this early season. And, and I like Arsenal to bounce back and have a good performance this weekend. Uh, give me Riyad Mahrez, uh, Manchester City. Again, we talked about that wonder goal that he had in the fourth minute uh, against Leicester this past weekend, about the only bright spot that uh, that City had. And uh, I think he's in good form right now, and I expect him to continue to play well this weekend as well. And then Wolves, uh, Ra- Raul Jimenez right up front uh, as my striker. Again, they were, they were kind of embarrassed this past week in against West Ham and I think uh, uh, Nuno gets them back and uh, aggressive and hungry and ready to go back at it again uh, against a Fulham squad that uh, should be uh, a, a team that they, they kind of overmatch and kind of overrun so give me Jimenez uh, up top as my striker but uh, who are your three guys up top Barrett? 
Uh, on the left side, I'm going to go with Son with Tottenham. Um, as I mentioned in the, in the game uh, uh, analysis there, I think he and uh, Harry Kane are going to be really punishing there, come up with a couple of goals between them. Uh, on the other side, I've got uh, James Rodriguez at Everton. Uh, he's been, man, he's been incredible. Uh, you know, he's not leading the league in goals or anything like that, but he is incredibly influential uh, for that perfect start for Everton. Uh, and then up front in the middle, I've got uh, Jamie Vardy. As I mentioned earlier, he's on pace for like 65 goals. Uh, yeah, I like up, the over. Yeah. Uh, going up against West Ham, uh, you know, they'll probably draw about four more penalties and, <laughs> you know, uh, he'll run those numbers up even higher. No, he's been on a tear. And again, yeah, I think you like him too, Clayton, but who who are your three guys up top for uh, match week four? Uh, so I have Sadio Mane, obviously with Liverpool, uh, Jamie Vardy, like we just touched on, and then Patrick Bamford. Um, Patrick Bamford, I mean, he's in form right now. Um, he may not be, you know, the Jamie Vardy, um, but he, he does make intelligent runs. Um, and he's also, you know, their lone goal scorer up front. They're, they're guy that can at least get him a goal, you know? Um, and I expect him at least to get one goal against, um, Manchester city after, uh, Jamie Vardy's performance on them. So if they do get a goal leads, it's going to come through Patrick Bamford, um, Sadio Mane, obviously, I you know he had a great game against Arsenal, and I think you know he's he's kind of becoming his own star. I know he's a big star right now, but I think he's kind of shining more and more. I think he's he's definitely coming on this season, you know, with with something to play for. I know they won the championship, but he's coming out and you know wanting to progress his game. Um, but I do like his matchup, so yeah, that's why it got him as my left winger there and then Jamie Vardy obviously you know destroying Man City and obviously I talked about his intelligence his runs in the box you know maybe drawing some PKs like you said Barrett but uh yeah that's my front three yeah Sadio Mane that star shines any brighter he's gonna be a Real Madrid player here pretty soon Barrett (laughs) so you better watch out for that but uh well, well boys I think that just about does it for this pod so as always now it's just time to enjoy the matches and see what happens and so for our listeners out there, guys, you can follow my cohorts on Twitter and all their football and soccer musings. Uh, Barrett, we can follow you on Twitter at what's your handle? It's at Hartman underscore LFC. And, and by the way, these games that, that uh, we're predicting for the upcoming week, you know, we're, we're also doing that on the uh, NBC predictor app. Uh, we've created a private league there. So reach out to me at Hartman underscore LFC. I can send you an invitation to our league and you can uh, join in the fun with us because let's be honest, uh, I've been dominating these donkeys so far, and I need some real competition. He is winning through the yeah. first few weeks. That That is true. So uh, we, somebody needs to come uh, knock him off his perch, right? So as uh, Sir Alex used to say. But uh, Clayton, where can we follow you on Twitter, bud? At McCluskey101. That is M-C-C-L-U-S-K-Y-101. Excellent. Well, guys, as always, I appreciate you both being with me in studio here today, and I look forward to doing it again next week. And while this will wrap it up for this episode, everyone, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going and to also keep up with everything we're doing over at the Sports Pros Network, check us out at fantasysportspros.com or on Twitter at sports underscore pros. And remember, that's pros with an E, P-R-O-S-E. Enjoy the matches this week, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Cheers.